Here we go. Season 7. All aboard. If you missed it, here's what we believe. 66-book canon. We believe in a 66-book canon. There is no more. There is no less. It's 66 books. That Yeshua, who is preached by the apostles in the Gospels and in the epistles, is the only means of salvation, as we're calling Yeshua, means. In other words, justification is by faith alone and not by works that any man should boast. Faith working through love. We are unashamedly Trinitarian. We're also unashamedly uh, doctor, believe in the doctrines of grace, what is commonly referred to as Calvinistic. The, the New Covenant is not time-bound. That is to say that the, the horizon of the faith of our father Abraham is no different. Right. No, no, it is not shy of the horizon of our hope and our faith. In other words, the, that salvation was salvation was the same for Abraham as it is for us. Right. Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. This is Messiah Matters number 312. A very happy birthday to my wife and the love of my life. My name is Caleb Haig. And I'm sitting in my non-office using my non-desktop computer because my office is trashed right now. In a good way for remodeling purposes. I'm Rob Vanhoff. That was, that thanks, was too long. Thanks for the breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> now that everybody's caught up to Rob's uh, personal. Write a book. Okay, wait a minute. I want to talk about feelings. Okay. Let's talk about. Wait, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Caleb and I, we were just talking like, right before the show, after we prayed about feelings and discerning the will of God. Right. And, and I, I was thinking, Caleb, about the verse. And I didn't say it because our show started was Romans 12. When it talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, uh, you know, when you our worship of God, the logical worship of our God, if we if we're born anew in Yeshua is to is the Shema, basically love God with all our heart, all our soul, soul all our strength. And that is a living sacrifice unto the Lord. And it's only after the renewal that we're able to discern what is good in God's eyes. We what, don't, our okay. soul, our soul does not just identify what is good on our own. Okay, but, but hang on. In just other sec. words, I can't just look out in the world and go, "Oh, that's good. That's bad. That's good. That's bad." Because my soul is not; it is carnal. Okay, but but hang on. If that's the case, then then I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Why is it that believers so often make wrong decisions? <clears throat> well, what do you mean? Because are they following their feelings? You mean? Well, I mean, I, don't, if, I, mean, if, I don't know. If, I would need a if specific. The, if examples. the spirit of God enters and helps us to discern truth, then why is it that so many believers don't discern truth? 
well, if it's a, a, a good general question, I don't. We, I would have to look at like a specific situation. You know, I could look at my own life. It says the wisdom is in a in a multitude of counsel. Wisdom is not lacking, right? Right. And the idea is that there we need other people. Otherwise, we have blind spots. You know, we have, see. See, but th- there's a pecking order here. I agree with you completely. But there's a pecking order, and the pecking order goes like this: Bible. Family, community. In other words, we go to the Bible first. And if the Bible somehow disagrees with or sets up a way that we do something and we go against that or we don't listen to the counsel that's in the Bible, then instantaneously the answer is no, we're on, we're on the wrong foot. That's number one. Number two is, is family. So, for instance, if I'm, you know, if my, you know, my inclination is, oh, I feel like God is telling me to uh, move over and become a leader at your group in in Spokane instead of staying here in Tacoma with my group. If my wife is like, I don't think so. I don't, you know, I'm not feeling this. That's then that's another that's another in, inclination from the Holy Spirit. No, like your family's got to be on board. And then community. If your community, if you go to your community and your community says, "No, this is not, you know, your feelings are off here." And I think feelings would be the last ones. Obviously, if you don't want to do something and you really feel strongly about it, then the answer should be no. Possibly. However, there's been times when people, I mean, look at, who, who is it, Zwingli? Was it Zwingli? Who was the, yeah, Zwingli, I think it was, who didn't want to be a preacher. <clears throat> oh, no, it was Knox. And he, he ran, they asked him to preach and he ran out of the church. He so didn't want to preach that that they, but he became like one of the, he's known as like the greatest Scottish preacher ever. So I mean, sometimes our feel, sometimes obviously, if we if our feelings are saying no, but God is saying yes, will be it will be known. Anyway, yeah. Well, good intro there. Good intro on that one for sure. Let me uh, bring hit the up, ground running. Yeah, hit yeah. the ground running. Let me bring up our summer producers. Thank you so much to our summer producers. Uh, I got to tell you, we have designed the uh, the fall quarter yeah. mugs. And actually, somebody asked, somebody who saw them asked if they could be turned into a shirt instead. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to put them on mugs for the producers. And you might be able to choose whether or not you want the mug or the, um, the, the shirt. I don't know. It's hard to do shirts. That's the problem. Maybe we'll make shirts for, yeah, may, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But the point is, is that it's really good. Should I, should we should we tease what it is? No, send them a, people need to go to the link, don't they? Okay, but it's not up yet. So it's going to, oh, how, it's, do pe- how do people it's see gonna it? It's going to be, in, well, it's, so we, we, we got late in on our summer uh, producers. So it'll be another week or so before we, before we uh, get for, right. okay. fall producers. Okay, I just pulled in. it up. Yeah, it still has the masked. Um, yes. A very good one. one. We're going to okay. keep going. This this show might not be about politics, but uh, we tease the politics with our with our cups and our and our uh, shirts. That's for sure. All right, oh. we got a couple of great things to talk about. It's been uh, well. We had we weren't here last week. My family was in. Uh, let's see here. My family was driving to Montana at this time last week. Um, and so uh, we had a interesting and great time in in Montana. My son shot a gun for the first time. He's seven. He was freaking stoked. Nice. Um, he's a new, he's like a new man now. Uh, he's he like, is. all right, I'm, yeah. I want more. I want more of that. Yes. 
<laughs> so uh, that was good. Anyway, um, okay. And then the week before we were here, but then the week before that we were off as well. So we've actually taken two weeks off in the summer. My apologies to our uh, to our producers. Sorry about that. Um, let's go ahead and get everybody the uh, the call-ins. You can call us at 253-465-3205. It's not going to be a live number. That right there is just a uh, message machine. But you can call it and tell us how much you love us, hate us, whatever. Um, and, yeah, go ahead and do that, 253-465-3205. Also, you can send us email, resource.com. It's resource.com. Before you do anything... All of our listeners right now, no matter what you're doing, whether you're listening on Spotify, whether you're listening on iTunes, whether you're listening, I don't care what you're listening on, I want you to stop, pause, go to YouTube, press the like button on this video, and then subscribe to our YouTube channel. You wouldn't believe how many people watch this show, but don't subscribe. If you really want to help our show, go subscribe. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, at Messiah Matters is our YouTube channel, so youtube.com backslash Messiah Matters. Like the video. Subscribe. Do it now. All right. I'm going to tell you to do that more times. I've been told by uh, I've been told by other people that uh, one of the reasons that we're not getting the subscribers that we need is because we don't mention it enough. So done. Okay. Let's jump in. We have uh, we had Evelyn writes us emails very often, sometimes multiple times a week. I don't know if she's oh she is she's in the chat room right now. We, I love her email. She's got great questions. Questions that actually, I think Evelyn probably makes her questions make it onto the show more than any other person. It I, seems that way. I think that. Yeah. So uh, that shows you the quality, the quality of of questions asked. So Evelyn, who is currently in the chat room, writes in. She says, "In Matthew twenty three one through four, is the Messiah, Messiah saying we are to listen to the scribes and Pharisees when an ecclesiastical judgment is being rendered from the authority of Moses?" And then she cites uh, Matthew 23, 1 through 4. I will read it. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to, re- to move them with a finger. Okay. Um, so, so do we want to, do we want to address that first? Or well, what's the second half of her question? The second half has to do with Matthew 18. It says also, what does it mean for the disciples to be given authority to bind and to loose in Matthew 18? Is this a sign of ecclesiastical authority given to the disciples? And if so, how would that fit into listening to the scribes and Pharisees that sit in the seat of Moses? And uh, let's read Matthew 18, 18 real quick. It says, truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Great question. Right. Well, I prefer the NASB. I think the NASB there is, is actually captures the Greek where it has the, the perfect passive. Um, truly, I say, saying to you, whatever you bind on earth, Shall have, have been, been bound, bound in heaven. In heaven yeah. And in other words, it's already, on earth shall have been loosed. In other words, it's already bound in heaven, and now you're able to bind it on earth. It's already loosed in heaven. Now you're able to loose it on earth. Right. The idea, if we Agreed. start with Matthew 18, is that 
is a court we need to understand it in accordance with what we pray what yeshua teaches earlier in the gospel of matthew the lord's prayer it's thy will thy kingdom come it's the holiness of god's name what's well, the sonship of believers adoption yes our father who is in heaven right hallowed be the name so the sanctification of god's name just like isaiah 6 where the the seraphim are eternally declaring kadosh 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 thy kingdom come so it's his kingdom his rulership his will on you know just as it is in heaven so on earth okay so the idea is that it's already like read, that in heaven yeah, to, yeah the idea is god's will being done on earth through the body of christ that's that's the goal if we're walking according to the will of the father we will be like yeshua says we'll be taking up our cross daily and following him and um, and you could even parallel it with, for example, Ephesians one, where Paul says, you know, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly in the heavenlies. And, um, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he had established his, these ways for us to walk in before the foundations of the world, that we would be, uh, holy and blameless before him. So, um, I think the NASB is, is, uh, the correct way to understand. I, I don't know how to understand, how to explain it if the other translations right. were to be You're true. Right. I agree. Um, but uh, so one more point that I would add on Matthew 18 before we shift to chapter 23 is just that the context is restoration of a brother who is in sin. And so that is uh, a situation where um it's presumably another believer in Yeshua that's, that's being dealt with. So, right, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private, right? If he listens to you, you've won your brother. Um, because let's say there's a, let's say, let's explore that it's just talking about uh, more general, not a believer in Yeshua. But let's say he's, a, let's say it's an orth, a friend of yours is an Orthodox Jew, but he doesn't believe in Yeshua. But, but your friends. But then he does something that you're like, okay, man, that's against the Torah, right? And I know you don't believe in Yeshua, but that's against the Torah. Well, and then you bring someone else, and then you're going to take him before the church. <laughs> yeah, right? He's not going to care. Right. So uh, I uh, I think it's wise to take Matthew 18, 18 in the context of, you know, starting back with chapter 18, verse 15. Now to flip to twenty three. Okay, then. hang on just a sec before you oh, start on before you start on twenty three. I just want to say this: Matthew twenty three one through four has uh, notoriously been a very difficult passage for a lot of people. It's one of the places that some messianics, some, not all, but some messianics, get the idea that we need to listen to the Talmud and the Mishnah. And right. so this is actually one of the this is one of the verses people will go to to try to bring in extra non-canonical uh, literature to be authoritative on the believer, which I reject out of hand, as does Rob. Go ahead, Rob. Um, yeah, that, that, that's a, a really good point. Um, the context of Matthew 18, if you go back to the beginning of 18, it's uh, the disciples came to Yeshua and asked him. So Matthew 18, Yeshua is talking to his disciples specifically. Matthew 23 says Yeshua is speaking to crowds and to his disciples. He's, he's speaking to a larger audience. 
and he's affirming the authority of the Pharisees and the scribes. He's not affirming Sadducees. He's not affirming Essenes. Basically, he's saying, don't, <laughs> he's just telling the crowd, stay away from the Sadducees, stay away from the Essenes. The Pharisees have the basic uh, interpretive tradition of the Torah, which affirm the, the feast days, the basics of the calendar, you know, counting the Omer, the resurrection of the dead, the basic canon of scripture. In other words, Enoch is not scripture, right? <laughs> right. That This is uh, the basic canon that we call the Tanakh, uh, that the Masoretes preserve is the product of Pharisaic and scribal insti uh, institution. Um, Do you believe that the seat of Moses is in a physical seat? Later on, we have later sources in, uh, in, in the rabbinic text about the uh, Cathedra de Moshe in, in Aramaic, and it's this Greek word this for seat. And we do have some few synagogues, I think, early synagogues have some sort of special seat that was there, like the, the synagogue at um, Chorazin, for example, but that's a, but that is post-destruction. So, um, but there was some sort of special seat up front and some have said, oh, this is the, that seat of Moses. But we have to re recognize we don't, <laughs> none of these stone chairs that we found say, you know, this seat is of, the seat, seat of, of Moses. <laughs> Where Moses sits, right? Yeah, can, can, so, I, can I tell you what I think that what what I think uh, Matthew uh, the Matthew passage is saying? Uh, let's sure. hear what is it? Matthew uh, twenty three one through four. I now I could never prove this. However, my my thought is that the seat of Moses is a reference to reading the Torah itself. No, I, I mean, I think that's the, the simplest. In, in, in other words, when you when you when you hear the Torah read by the scribes and the Pharisees in the synagogue, that's what you're supposed to keep. And that, that's that's what James says in or Acts, the book of Acts, right? right. He says, "For Moses is preached every uh, every Shabbat." He's not talking about Sadducean places. The synagogues throughout the diaspora had the the uh, predominant strain. Of Jewish teaching was scribal first, because if you had you had to have a text, <laughs> you had to have right. Something, right? And uh, Pharisaic, you know, they promoted uh, some sort of calendar that uh, you know people could observe throughout the diaspora, and and a canonical uh, body of a uh, you know authoritative Torah and prophets and writings, and it's affirmed throughout the apostolic writings. Um, yeah. So I mean, my my thought is is that the idea that the that what the what they do, in other words, they're going to say a bunch of stuff, tell you to do a bunch of stuff. Don't listen to that. Listen to what Moses says. You know, they're going to sit there. They're going to read the Torah. That's what you listen to. So the, I think that this is actually a uh, a verse in opposition to. Uh, rabbinical texts like the exactly. mission and the Talmud. I don't and, think and it upholds the other it. Bit. Right. Yeshua says you, you don't become one of them. Right. You're not one. He says you're not one of them. That's why he says don't be called rabbi. <laughs> right. You know, I know, you know, there's messianic people out there. So I'm rabbi or rabbi this or Rav Shaul, you know, and it's like they don't, they're, they're blending things. It's uh, forbidden mixtures. You're mixing things that, that aren't to be mixed. Right. But people want to look Jewish. Um, yeah. 
I hope that, well, Evelyn says, uh, I agree, Caleb. Thank you. Yes. Um, so uh, we will move on from this topic. Great question, Evelyn. Great question. Before yes, we move on you. to another topic, first of all, I want you to, to uh, if you like that last segment, then uh, press the like button. Um, <laughs> Caleb's learning the ropes. On I'm this learning the ropes on this. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm it's learning only, we're only in our, what, our eighth year. Or yeah, seventh, seventh year. year. Um, speaking of years, speaking of years, before we move on to another topic, uh, Torah Resource Institute has had a groundbreaking monumental uh, milestone, and that is the graduation of a student from the three-year program. Now, this might not seem like a great feat, but most of the students that are taking classes at Torah Resource Institute, and by the way, we have the highest registration out of any quarter, any time, any year, ever since our beginning this quarter. And we're coming into our 10th year, which is super awesome. Right. Um, and It's so- the number of perfection. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I think that's seven. No, I, I'm um, totally. I'm to- <laughs> anyway. Of completeness or of, of judgment. Anyway. Um, so most of our students at Torah Resource Institute are either married or and or have children, sometimes lots of them. Um, and so a lot of people just take classes per course and what that means, or, uh, take classes per class. What that it's means. It's like a la carte. Kind yeah, of exactly. Thing. You know, I'm, I'm taking it from my own knowledge or whatever. We have a lot of moms that take, uh, that take classes. We have grandmothers who take classes and grandfathers who take classes. So it's not like you got a lot of people right out of high school that are like trying to, you know, power through in three years, the three year program is actually like a uh, is like a, a a college or a seminary program. It's like five courses a quarter for three years, and so a lot of people are intimidated by that and 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 don't even sign up for the three year program. And the people who do, uh, we have had you know people who've signed up for the three year program. A lot of the times, what happens is life gets in the way, and we've had a lot and of a lot of people are almost complete, but it kind of the thesis is the big. Uh, the kicker. Well, a lot of people, what have happened is they'll take, you know, this happened with Andre and with some others. What they do is they have taken all three years. They've gotten all their classes out of the way. They start writing their thesis, but then they get into a seminary somewhere. And, um, that, that obviously takes over their life again, you know? And so anyway, um, Ben Frostad is the first person at Tor Resource Institute to graduate from the three-year program. And his thesis, which is, I don't know, how many pages is his thesis? 100 and 200? Yeah, and, and what a what a stellar uh, stellar performance as a, uh, academically. That, that yeah. ben, uh, Unbelievable. And yeah. some, some of you may remember back uh, in 2017, as part of his thesis, uh, he up on Facebook put a, uh, well, it wasn't on Facebook. He promoted it on Facebook, but you could go and, and do the Messianic survey. Well, all of the results of the Messianic survey are in his thesis, and it's really actually very interesting to look at. And uh, so uh, his, his, uh, his whole thesis is on um, Messianic Judaism and different sects of Messianic Judaism, branches of Messianic Judaism, different beliefs within Messianic Judaism. Um, and some of his uh, some of his results uh, in terms of the uh, just the data that he's gathered is, is really really interesting. Um, with all that said, you can go read his thesis. It's on academia.edu. I actually haven't had to search for it because he sent me a link, but I assume that maybe Torah Resource is in the uh, is in one of the tags. So you might be able to find it that way. Ben Frostad is his name. 
I don't know how we should congratulate Ben other than, I don't know, playing him a sound clip. Uh, uh, no education? Yeah, why not? You're a legend in your own mind. You don't need no education. <laughs> your mom goes to college. I think that he was headed for a deep mischief. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, Ben. You did it, buddy. Yeah, so encourage anybody who's interested to go and at least skim through if, if you don't have time to read. I mean, it's like, what, two or three hundred pages. It's a pretty it's a pretty meaty study. Your dog is con- on, your dog is congratulating Ben Frost. Ed. I can yeah, hear that. Yeah, it's the neighborhood neighborhood <laughs> dogs. The yeah, and, and skim through. Go find it. Just look up Ben Frostad on um, academia. Uh, what is it? Academia.edu. Or email Caleb and he can share you share with you that link. Yeah, very exciting. And there's a lot of people who've been really close. I've been close myself, but uh, Caleb's been working on his thesis for years. I I mean, it's been on hold for a year and a half now. It, it, here's the thing: is that writing a Life thesis happens. Writing a thesis like that is extremely time consuming. There's so much that goes into it. I've finished two chapters of my thesis, and I think that there needs to be a third. Um, I've published the first chapter of it on GrowingAMessiah.com. And, uh, but I might publish the second chapter at some point. The the second chapter is my favorite so far, but the third chapter is what has to tie it all together. So I don't know. Sometime in my life when the uh, almighty decides that I uh, need to finish it, he will allow me to finish it and I will. Okay, let's move on. Here we go. Um, let's see here. Where were we? Ah, yes. MacArthur. (laughs) Oh, MacArthur. MacArthur, here's the thing is that uh, before we jump into this, I just want to say I like listening to John MacArthur. I think that he has uh, been a faithful servant of the word for a long time. 50 years, I think he's been in ministry now. He's in his 80s. He's still preaching. It's still going strong. He looks like he's in his, you know, he preaches like he's in his 50s. Um, With that said, I certainly do not agree with MacArthur on everything. His treatment of the Sabbath in his uh, commentary on Acts is is egregious, in my opinion, and uh, horribly off. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, he takes a stance on the Torah that I obviously disagree with. He believes in theonomy, but uh, then somehow rejects parts of the Torah, which I just don't understand. Anyway... Um, with that said, MacArthur uh, has been helping or has been, I think, in charge of, you tell me, Rob, you'd know better than me, uh, trying to translate a translation of the Bible. He's hired people, I think. Well, the Master how... Seminary, I think, oh, if I understood, has... Okay, um, there we go. Yeah, come up with a new translation. So Master Seminary has come up with a new translation. MacArthur has said that he's always used the NASB, which I think is one of the better translations of the Bible. But now he's going to move over to this new translation of, of uh, the scriptures by Master Seminary. And yeah, and this is this is Erna's Erna. Thank you, Erna, another longtime listener and and a, a highly engaged a participant in discussions. She here. is the is most. Encu- she- she's the most encouraging listener that we have. <laughs> so thank you, Erna, for bringing putting this on my radar. I don't think Caleb had heard of it. I know I hadn't. Um. So can we set this up? So yeah, uh, legacy standard Bible. Yeah. MacArthur, uh, MacArthur, uh, he, the legacy standard Bible. Thank you. Legacy standard Bible. Now MacArthur. It sounds too much like LSD, LSB, LSD. (laughs) Do you mean LSD? No, I mean LSB. Oh no. Wow. Okay. I didn't even put those dots together. 
Um, okay. Uh, MacArthur sits down with the, I think, the head editor from Masters of this translation. And uh, they're talking about it. They're talking about, you know, you know, MacArthur's just, you know, spewing blessings and, and praises of this new translation. <clears throat> and should we just ruin the outcome now? I think without realizing it, MacArthur has moved himself into the sacred name movement. Let's take a listen. There are some minor changes, and we'll talk about those in a minute, but there are also a couple of major changes that you're making that um, might be stunning to some Oh, they are stunning. Scripture. Why don't you explain what those are? Notice how we are making two ownership. major... Hey, yeah, go ahead. Notice that MacArthur's not taking responsibility for this. He says <laughs> that changes that you are making. Yeah. And the, the respondent now, that was MacArthur, is, uh, I think he's prophet, Dr. Asher Chu, I think is his name. Who I've um, seen before, by the way. Yeah, I've seen him give talks at ETS yeah. and, and stuff. Um, so so that's the setup. So the idea but, is, what, what, not, what are the big features of this new LSB? Okay, let's hang on just a sec. Chu, first of all, is not a, a slouch. He's a scholar. And second of all, so is MacArthur in his own right. MacArthur yeah. knows the languages. He's the president of Masters. Yeah, I mean, he is a scholar. He's written a commentary on every book and every verse of the entire Bible. Think about that for a few seconds. What I mean, what a legacy that is. I don't care if you, if you're off That's on. It's got to be at least two hundred pages. <laughs> I mean, the thing the, the thing is is that I I mean MacArthur's legacy, whether you agree with him or not, is impressive. It is an impressive legacy. And the guy still has to work eighty hours a week. Um, it's it, it, it's at, at eighty three. I think he's eighty three. Maybe he's eighty two. At eighty two years old, that's still very impressive. Working that much, uh, and working in the kingdom. With that said, we just lost Rob's video. Are you still with us, Rob? Oh, there you are. It's back. It'll be back. I just made an adjustment. Okay. Um, with that said, let's keep going. Yes, you are the. You are right, though. All of a sudden, MacArthur stops giving ownership to this and puts he says, it on. You've made. You've yeah, made you some made change. some major changes. Let's listen to what these changes are. So, scripture. Why don't you explain what those are? We are making two major changes in the Legacy Standard Bible. One is to translate the term Lord, capital L-O-R-D, that you see in many Bibles, to Yahweh, to actually use the name that God himself gave to his own people. God. Can we just stop for just a second? First of all, these guys are scholars. They should know better, and they do know better. They know better that... that uh, that the the pronunciation of the name has been lost and that scholars don't know what it is. And for all of the people who are getting ready to email me and tell me that Nehemia Gordon has found it, come on, ridiculous. Uh, no, he hasn't. His, his claims are as ridiculous as, I mean, the fact that he gets on stage with Michael Rood says it all. Um, but the idea that MacArthur, who, by the way, MacArthur and Chu, these guys know better. They have chosen. I, so. I would think so. That. They've chosen a a pronunciation that they like for one reason or the other. Maybe it's standardized. Maybe they think, oh, it's what all the churches use. Okay, they've chosen a pronunciation, which means that they've all of a sudden taken sides, whether they know it or not. Well, not only that, it's an innovation. Exactly. Yeshua, Yeshua and the the apostles used Lord, right? <laughs> so they know better now. 
Right. They know better. They know better than Yeshua. This is a this is an innovation that is not uh, endorsed by Yeshua nor any of the disciples. You know, and they're they're putting the name on it and they're printing it. That's that's uh, it was. I think it's a good topic. Do you want to keep going? Let's keep going. That God Himself gave to His own people. God you, said, "My name is." Yahweh. Yahweh. And you should call me by that name. So we're going to obey him and call him by his name. And and that's important. It's so funny because we got to stop the, again. I know, but the Shabbat commandment, let's just go back to that. Like, <laughs> we, right? we should obey him. So they're calling this obedience. They want to reduce obedience and they want to flag it and parade it as obedience. That's. We want to obey him. Whew. Yeah. That, well, this the is... other thing, the other thing is, is that I mean, MacArthur knows. Uh, once again, MacArthur knows better. Chu knows better. The Semitic idea of the, the, a name. So, uh, so is it? You know, MacArthur would never say. I can guarantee that MacArthur's not going to say that a person who's deaf and mute can't be saved. <laughs> Good point. So obviously, that's a really good point. Obviously, it doesn't have to do with a pronunciation of a name. Uh, in the Semitic idea of a name, the, the person's name was who they were. It, it encompassed all of them. It didn't. It wasn't a title. It was who they are. And this is why it usually expresses something about the person. And this is why Abraham's name was changed. Here, here's a here's a good example. Exodus uh, uh, thirty three says, "Adonai said to Moses." I will also do this thing which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. So the idea here is uh, literally, it's I've known your name. I've known you, Bashem, <laughs> which means your character. That it's not that I, I. It's not like God said, "Oh, his name's Moshe." Dude, I love the chat <laughs> I gotta room. remember that. I love the, Yeah, I love the chat room. I love the chat room. Johnny says it like quoting as if he was MacArthur, but we don't want to stick to the prescribed diet because reasons. <laughs> because reasons. Or Shabbat. Because yeah. reasons. Yeah. But exactly. and this is the thing. So uh the name <laughs> Yahweh, which actually, if there if if you if that was a pronunciation, it would be Yahweh. The accent would be on the last syllable, just FYI. But they're like Yahweh, Yahweh. Evelyn, That's Ev- a, this Evelyn. is a recent in. This is an innovation. This is a new. This is a new pronunciation that has only been a, a couple hundred years old. Evelyn <laughs> says this. She says, "Are they going to put Yeshua in place of Jesus?" Well, good question. We got 13 seconds left on this clip. Let's listen to the end of it. Because we understand that God is transcendent. He is glorious, but yet He is also personal. And when we observe him giving us his name and we observe his own people calling on his name, we understand that tension. Okay. So um, now that sounded like gobbledygook. Yeah. Well, it is. Anyway, um, what what he's trying, I shouldn't say that. What he's trying to highlight is that God's a personal God. I agree that God's a personal God, but you don't have to, uh, you don't have to use a uh, made up name to. And you know what? Let's, let's just give credit where credit is due. Maybe they're right. Maybe the name is Yahweh. Probably not, but maybe it is. Maybe it's, you know, I mean, it could be a, it could be Yehovah. It could be, 
It could be a bunch of different things, but they have decided to choose one and say this is it. And with no discussion on how they came to that that pronunciation. Maybe to be fair, maybe when they publish it, they'll have a little paragraph at the beginning. But my point is this: this goes right back to Matthew 23. The scribes and the Pharisees preserved that aside from the canon and aside from the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead and the the life, eternal life for the just and condemnation for the wicked, etc. They they used uh circumlocutions the scribes and the pharisees did and to this day it, that's that's more that's older than the mishnah that's older than the talmud we and and the yeshua and the apostles followed that so i think i just think they're way off they, uh, they're way off and it's unsound it the reasoning is completely unsound okay well we heard chu talk about his reasoning personal god all those kind of things Let's hear what MacArthur has to say, 47 seconds long. Now, if you had an original Hebrew Old Testament and the rabbis had uh, given it to you, what would it have there where Yahweh appears? You would see what we call the Tetragrammaton, Yod, He, Vav, He, those four Hebrew letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and it would be in the text, so you could identify it. But you couldn't say it. According to Jewish tradition, yeah, you would replace it with the phrase Adonai. Yeah, you'd substitute the word Lord because the name was too holy to say. Okay, hang on just a sec. First of all, this is not only Jewish tradition. Look in any English Bible, right? Well, yeah, they started out. He said we were going to translate it, or it used to say Lord, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's not just English, It's not just Jewish tradition. This has been, I mean, this has been across the board of religions well, for a very right, long and, time. And by doing that, he's uh, he's deflecting you or distracting you from actually looking at the Gospels and the, the apostolic writings, which consistently adhere to that uh, tradition. And that tradition is authoritative. And unless you you know better than Yeshua, or you know better than uh, the apostles, uh, then you should stick to, you should accept that tradition. Let's listen to the end that, of this. Yeshua says... Uh, <laughs> The, the, the servant is not above his master, right? The disciple is not above his teacher. And they're, they're making this statement is that they know better than their teacher. Actually, Lois makes a great point. Yehovah is one it can't be. It would make the Vav do double d- duty. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, okay, let's listen to the end of this clip. 21 seconds. Substitute the word Lord because the name was too holy to say. That's right. So this is remarkable. We are not only saying it is not too holy to say, it is wrong not to say that name because that is God's name and he wants us to have that intimate name on our lips. And this is ultimately where MacArthur goes over it in this, into sacred name. Into this the is sacred, sacred name. name. Yeah, this yeah, is sacred this name. Sacred name. <clears throat> and yeah, so, he just said it's sacred. It's the sacred name. He just yeah. said that. So basically. we need to say it. We need to say the sacred name is what he's is basically what he said. And we're going to tell you what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, I wonder I wonder if MacArthur realizes that he just stepped in, you know, I mean, he's been around long enough to know the sacred name movement. The sacred name movement got started what? I think uh 40s. So maybe he's not. Uh, he's, well, he's put he's put too much trust in this young, this young scholar Asher too. He's put way. They, no, I don't. I don't, I don't buy that don't for think, a second. No, yeah. here, dude. I don't think MacArthur came to this on his own. Oh, I don't I either. Think, but I don't. But I, I think these Chu and those and the people that are putting this together 
came up with this idea and they presented it to him and he's just rolling over. That, yeah, I agree. With you. I agree with you. But my point is, is that he knows better. He knows better than to accept this. And if he doesn't, uh, I don't know. Well, he should. He should know. OK, I'll accept that. MacArthur should be know better. He could just be a weary and tired old man. I mean, <laughs> he is. He is in his 80s. So, I've said it several times. I mean, he's in I, his 80s. So maybe he's maybe maybe he's and, and uh, because and, and because of his because of his consistent fortification against things such as the Shabbat and the food laws, things commanded by the Lord. He is not, his receptacle is not, he's not able to discern what is clear in this situation. That's my, that's my opinion. He he doesn't have discernment in on this front. He's got discernment on other fronts, but on this front, he lacks discernment and therefore this idea creeps in he's and he starts promoting it all right yeah, let's, and let's, I, I think it's foolish i think it's totally it's i was so disappointed i was thinking this could be a bible i could buy <laughs> and now it's like nope yeah lois says i don't know that he actually believes it but he's wanting to support this new translation i agree that's with a, that. yeah, that's fair yeah yeah that's fair okay thanks let's move on um, yesterday, the, uh, wonderful ministry of R.C. Sprawl, Ligonier Ministries, which I find to be a wonderful help, uh, in many different issues, put out their findings on the state of theology. They do this every single year. It is always fantastic. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm, I'm afraid. <laughs> Caleb hasn't shared this with me, so I'm, like, I, I've I'm only looked like, at the first few questions. Wow. I thought that we'd go into it, uh, cold. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this is the state of theology. Now, th- now, one of the things that they've done in this, which is nice, is that they've shown you some of the uh, matrix of last year compared to this year. There's 35 different points. And they kind of, uh, well, they, they have a graph at the beginning. It's great. You can go to uh, Ligonier Ministries. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Go to, rather, thestateoftheology.com. And then uh, that's, that's where you're going to find it. Uh, what do Americans think about Jesus Christ, the Bible, truth, and ethics? Ligonier Ministries State of Theology Survey provides insights every two years. I'm sorry I said it was every year. It's every two years. We take the theological temperature of the United States to help Christians better understand today's culture and equip the church with better insights for discipleship. Read some of our key findings from 2020 below and explore the data for yourself. This survey survey was completed in early March as, con- uh, as concern related to COVID-19 began to rise. So there you go. Um, and here are some of their findings. Who is Jesus? The first question that they give uh, is, well, actually, this is just their some of the key findings. Okay, So this is statement number seven. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 52% agree. And this is among U.S. adult respondents. This is not a, 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 pertaining to evangelicals exclusively. So 52% agree versus 36% that disagree. And that doesn't really surprise me. However, what does surprise me, U.S. evangelical respondents in 2020 finding that 30% agree and 66% disagree. So we want the disagree on this one, right? Jesus was a great teacher, but he was yeah, not we're, God. we're in the minority. We're so, totally in the minority on this. Yeah, so no, majority. 66% disagree with that statement, which is what we do. We disagree with that. We think that Yeshua was oh, a great I, teacher I read and, it. and Sorry, was I read God. It as I read it as most people agree with that statement. They do agree with it. 
Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 30% agree, but 66% disagree with that. Why would they disagree? Because they think that Yeshua is God. And I would agree. But, yeah. Oh, so, I'm, is that a, am I looking at the contrast? Sorry. Yes. I'm, I'm looking at the. Rob's already messed up on this, so it's okay. Sixty-two <laughs> percent of evangelicals strongly oh, so disagree. Okay, okay, okay. So this is actually good, but the fact yeah, that okay, the, I, I see that's a good. The, that's the fact that thirty percent agree—that's concerning. That's a problem, right? So we are in the majority. Sorry, I was I was looking at the this little bit right above and, that. Okay, and and unashamed of Jesus in the chat room puts it perfectly. If you're wrong about Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're right about. <laughs> well said. Okay, God's plan of salvation. God chose the people he would save before cre he created the world. Now, uh, just ad among adult uh, respondents, this is not evangelicals, 26% agree, 50% disagree. Whereas among evangelicals, 38% agree. So that would be us versus 44% who disagree. Which basically just says that the church is in in the U.S. is predominantly Arminian theology, old Arminian theology, right? And then the nice thing about this, I, I would encourage everybody to go look at it, is that you have um, you have they've broken it down for you from strongly agree, somewhat agree, not sure, somewhat disagree, strongly disagree. Okay. Um, learning about theology is for pastors and scholars only. Now, this one actually surprised me. 15% agree versus 75% disagree. And that's uh, just among U.S. adults. 70, uh, 10% uh, of evan evangelicals agree. 85% disagree, which is great. That tells me that people in the pews are actually concerned about the idea that they need to learn about theology and need to learn about the Bible, which is very encouraging to me. I'm going to start skipping the uh, the average person and just go to evangelicals. Evangelical trends. Let's see here. The Bible, most consistent. Okay. There was one on... I mean, the findings here are very interesting. Let's see here. Modern science disproves the Bible. 25% agree, 17% disagree. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Wait, finding. Oh, <laughs> now what we're looking at here, check this out. Okay, this is cool. Sorry, uh, evangelical trends. So let's let's look at some of these. These are interesting because they, give us, they break it down by year. The Holy Spirit gives a spiritual new birth or new life before a person has faith in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we would agree, agree with that, right? In 2016, 62% agreed. Yeah, in other words, this, does faith come after regeneration? Or does someone have to believe first and be regenerated? Right. In 2020, 57% agree, as opposed to 62% in 2016. Modern science disproves the Bible. In uh, And this is actually good. In, in 2018, 25% agreed. And now... In 2020, only 17% agree. So that that's also encouraging. It tells me that there's been work that's been done among evangelicals to actually address some of the issues. And that work that has been done is actually working in some cases. I, so. I, I see it's, it's a kind of literacy. It's literacy. It's how literate are people 
with the word of God and with their own faith walk. And then to what degree are people just, they show up to church because that's what they're supposed to do. And, and they're hoping that maybe it'll help, you know, they'll learn something that'll help them in life, you know, like a self-help kind of seminar. So um, versus the people who are true born from above and are uh, driven, driven to, to come to uh, a maturity of faith and clarity of their knowledge of, of the revealed word of God, etc. Right. God. But counts. Yeah, that, that's definitely that. Um, that sounds, I agree. It sounds like on these trends where you see a, an increase in coherence with, um, you know, the doctrines of grace and the, the authority of scripture that I see that as a success, a praise God success for the teaching efforts and those, those who have poured their lives into teaching ministries. You yeah. Know, pe- to, and to, people to, who, you know. people who are, are uh, teaching apologetics ultimately, I think because apologetics as unashamed of Jesus in the chat. Well, and, you, and you know, that's a good point is that YouTube and social media, uh, it's obviously being used to the degree, you know, is it isn't one contributor, you know, uh, social media is one avenue through which this education is getting traction. And I, I like that. Uh, th- this is interesting. And I, and I wonder which way this is going, actually. God, the question is, or the statement is, God counts a person as righteous, not because of one's works, but only because of one's faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in 2018, 91% agreed with that. In 2020, 84% agreed with that. Now, I think that's a really good thing that people agree with that because that is the truth. We are counted as righteous only because of Jesus Christ and only because of the work that he did on the cross. Absolutely agree with that 100%. I wonder if the reason that that has gone down is because people are concerned about what we do. And I think that one of the places that the church has lacked is in talking about sanctification. In other words, there's this rely and relax. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you have faith, that's all you need to do. And that's not what the scriptures teach. That's why this. That's why that MacArthur LSB is so uh, disappointing because they're making, yeah. they're making it. It's such a low voltage obedience, right? If, if to 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 flag this as well, he commanded it, and we want to be obedient, and this is going to be shocking to many, but here's God's name. It's it's like, it's so low voltage of, of obedience, but yet they want to frame it as obedience. Right. Which like they feel like they need to do something. Sadly, this sanctification is, is, a, is something different. You know, this is where um, the church has failed, I think, in trying to explain to congregants that faith is uh, God gives us faith. But once a person has true faith, they love God and they conform to Christ. And I think that and not across the board. I mean, MacArthur has has himself, and we're talking about MacArthur a lot because of the clips that we played from him, but MacArthur himself has talked about, you know, how we need to line up with the scriptures. But out of one side of his mouth, he says that, and out of the other side of his mouth, he says, you don't need to worry about the, the Sabbath. You don't need to worry about the, the uh, festivals. You don't need to worry about the kosher laws. So there's a mixed message there, and it's a confusing one to people, I think. This is really encouraging. Statement number three, God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. In 2016, 48% agreed. In 2018, 51% agreed. However, in 2020, only 42% agreed. So it's actually going down from 2016. It went up a little bit, but now it's going down. In other words, people are saying, no, that's not true. 
What we need is Jesus Christ. What we need is Yeshua, right. the Messiah. And that's who says who says no no one comes to the Father but by me. Exactly. And I think that well, that's very yeah. encouraging. Uh <laughs> gender identity is a matter of choice. In 2016, 32% agreed. In 2020, only 22% agreed. 10% have changed their mind. Also encouraging. Um Christians should be silent on issues of politics. Finding 16% agree. Um, anyway, I would encourage everyone to go and look at the findings here. Um, it's, I think, and you can see that. So the one that we're reading is just a, um, a shortened list of kind of what they, uh, you know, what they think is the most important. However, you can, you can find all of the, um, the survey. Um, and it's, it's really very interesting. So, uh, they, like I said, they have 35 questions, um, and maybe it's actually, hang on, let me click in one of these. Let's see if it's, yeah. So 35 questions. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's worth every believer to go and look kind of what, why, why do I think that this is important? I think this is important because, um, when we look at this, we understand some of the work that needs to be done. And when you can ask yourself, how do you fare on these questions? Right. Do you fit in with the minority or do you fit in with the majority? Not that one is better than the other necessarily. No, I mean on any given question. Right. Yeah. So, but the, the point for me, the point is, is that it shows where our theology needs to be preached to those around us. And that means not just in church. This means that when we go out and we talk to people, on the street when we're conversing with our non-believing friends and whatnot, we know some of the issues that are on people's minds. And I think that we know that in America right now just because of what's going on. Everyone's talking about COVID. Everyone's talking about Black Lives Matter. Everyone's talking about, you know, Democrat versus Republican at this point because of the presidential election that's coming up. So in the U.S., we have all these issues that are bubbling over. Uh, you know, I haven't had a conversation with anyone recently that hasn't involved the the riots in Portland. Um, it's something that everyone's thinking about. And not just because it's U.S. politics. I think that this plays into morality and what people think is right and wrong. And this is really where the lines are, bl- are blurred between religion and, and politics. Because in my belief, you cannot have a, a belief of politics unless you first have a belief of religion. Whether, I mean, if a person's an atheist and they believe, you know, and they give you their their political standpoint, it's because it's coming from their religious standpoint, which is that there is no God. In other words, their religion always is going to play into it. And I think that that's one way that you can kind of get a, a pulse of a person's spiritual understanding, their, their religious understanding, is by hearing what they think about politics. Um. Of course, we have always tried to stay away from politics on this show because there's other people who do be- do it better than us. All right. It's been fun. We're going to have a show next week. And uh, I want you all to uh, go ahead and contact us and tell us what you want us to talk about. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also email us, chag at com. chag at com. And if this show has, uh, if you've liked anything in this show, then I would encourage you to subscribe to it. Click the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, or you can, you can like our, or subscribe to our podcast. If you're on a podcast platform, you can do that as well. 
Um, and we certainly do appreciate all of the support. And Mike told us that on 9, what was it, 22 or 9, 12? I, I forget. Anyway, that's when winter officially starts and that's when our new mugs will be out. We'll think about making shirts as well. If you want us to... Um, if you want us to make shirts instead of mugs, then let us know in the comments. And yeah, good show, Rob. Appreciate it. Yeah, well done. All right, we will talk to you all next week. We hope that this conversation we hope that this conversation has glorified our great God and Savior Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.